0: Today we have back with us Dave Peterson. Welcome back, Dave. Thank you. We are going to be working through the gospel for the fifth Sunday of Easter, Rogate. It comes from John chapter 16, verses 5 to 15. I will read that in the English Standard Version. Jesus said, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. uh, we went through context last week, so I'm going to just skip any translation issues that you see.
1: Uh, I just wasn't paying attention to what you, what was, how'd they translate paraclete in the ESV? Um, helper?
0: Helper, yeah.
1: And then how did they, tra- the other thing I was interested in was the pharaoh. What verse is that, seven? Yeah. It is to, it, it is expedient, or what did they say?
0: To, our, to your advantage.
1: To your advantage. yeah. Fine, I don't you know. know. So, We're what's your what's the, your
0: the, take? The, the what's your what's your take on translating uh, Pericles? Do you think I I will just put my cards on the table? I think that it should just be transliterated. Yeah, that would you just be say best, I think
1: It's just too. The problem is helpers fine, I, I, but uh, all of the translations we would use in English are so nuanced that I, I, I that's the problem. And since it's a yeah. divine title, I just think we'd be better off transliterating it and then teaching it, you know, kind of like we do with Yahweh or yeah. Christ and other other words. Because it's helpers, helpers, quite good. But um, you know, there's like the legal aspect of the of the language is very important in this text because of this convicting mm-hmm. thing. So here, maybe you know, you might want to go with advocate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know but you know comforter i mean there's other it's it's just it's just yeah helper no matter what you're going to have a problem if you translate it i think so yeah
0: that's why i always prefer if if it would were just transliterated because then you could bring out all of those aspects just to say right. it's not just one thing but when right. it just says helper i mean that has a particular understanding in our own language in our own day right you know? It, it, it's not as full as it should be.
1: Right. It's, it's, I mean, and I think helper in modern English sounds weak. Yeah. Right. I mean, the helper is not the main guy, right? right. You know, the, the, yeah. the helper is, yeah. So it just feels, it feels sort of insulting. Mm-hmm. Um, so or anyway, so
0: if we're thinking about, so it's,
1: it's absolutely legit. I mean, it's a, it, it is a legit, I mean, it's, it does express a reality that this this word does mean and that that, you know so
0: yeah so but how does that trans how how does that go along with conviction and yeah uh, it it it
1: well because we cannot we cannot understand these things without him
0: yeah okay
1: see like so enabler would almost be better i mean because it's not just that he helps us understand these things we we had zero understanding of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We we're not right. This has to be revealed. So mm. that's why Helper feels to me a little weak. You know, he he actually enables this and Revealer, right? He actually shows us this mm-hmm. and declare he declares it too. I mean, he's so it's. Yeah, you're just going to have to preach like, on this. You have to yeah. teach it. Yeah, I, I don't like it either. I but I you know I'm not I'm not condemning it. I just don't. I it would just be better if it was transliterated
0: yeah i like you said helper is in the semantic domain i mean it's it's a legit yeah. translation of it but i don't I don't think it really gets at the core and I don't think um uh, the people who are hearing this hear it in the right way
1: we also we have it translated literated regularly in our hymnody. so right. it would also be helpful <laughs> you know so we didn't have to you know i mean it would it would it would help the correspondence and people would recognize when they're singing about the paraclete more directly what they're doing. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. One so, of my okay. one of my
1: one of my all time biggest fantasies is that I get to be the Bible translator. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, do do I do. you do get bit, to do that. You get to do that
0: every Sunday morning. I mean that is the nice thing <laughs> yeah. about the ministerium, the Missouri Synod still, kinda, is that we learn the original languages and we are actually given to do that to help them yeah, understand that's true but of course you can't do that if you're only preaching law and gospel in the way that most people preach law <laughs> that's and gospel it's true. true right if you're yeah. just there to say you know you're scum but Jesus loves you you're not ever going to get into that
1: <laughs> right 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 Okay, so unless you're just gonna unless you're just gonna condemn the translations constantly as being synergism, oh yeah. So, well, I mean, a lot yes, of that, that you
0: could be a, the drunken peasant on, on any of
1: these things. Yeah, yeah. There is okay. a little bit of context. I, not I mean, the broad context we already talked about, but I mean, in this particular pericope, really, if you go back to chap, uh, chapter fifteen, verse twenty six, he brings that paraclete up. But when the paraclete comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So that's really the kind of beginning of this section and the introduction of that title and the person mm-hmm. of the Spirit here. And mm-hmm. then verses 1 through 4 uh, are about persecution. So you have yeah. right the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to come, sent from the Father, and he's going to testify of me and... And in so, you are going to testify of me, and then you are going to get persecuted because of it. So that's yeah. that whole th- that's the immediate context, right? These things I have told you about how you are going to be put out mm-hmm. of the synagogue. That when the time comes, you rem- remember that I told you, and then you have. Uh, but now I go away. So uh, there is this, uh, I think, a little bit of context to kind of that's worthwhile to remember that the Helper is sent for those who need help. I mean, mm-hmm. right, this isn't like an optional luxury, you know. Hey, you guys could do this on your own if you want a little help. Here's the spirit. Um, yeah. and, and this well, doesn't is. Doesn't that text come before? on Exaudi?
0: Does it? The seventh Sunday?
1: I don't know. Maybe. I can't keep track. I know oh. the one that follows yeah. this came the week before.
0: John 15. <laughs> so just keep working backwards? To 16.4 is on uh, the seventh Sunday right. of Easter.
1: So we will get it eventually, but anyway, it's the context for this. That I, I think it's helpful a little bit for this text to recognize that this is the sp- this, the coming of the Spirit is a cause of persecution, because the coming of the Spirit is a cause for confession, and the world responds with persecution. And we need the Spirit to lead us through this, mm-hmm. right? Because the Spirit so,
0: comes through the Word that convicts,
1: right? Right. And we need to recognize, so mm-hmm. part of that conviction is, uh, I mean, part of that conviction is uh, our own conviction of what sin really is and what the world really is. Mm-hmm. He, isn't just uh, telling, he isn't just telling the devil, just convicting and proving to the devil that he is unjust. He's also vindicating and, and showing us this.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah.
1: and the same thing with the world, right? He's convicting the world of sin for our sake. Right, so some of that, I mean, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, maybe, but you know, uh, there's multiple ways that this can be taken to convict the world of sin because of unbelief, and part of, one of it is not convicting the, the person, the the individual believer's conscience, though mm-hmm. that's true too, but but also just actually taking away the world's excuses, yeah. and finally just demonstrating the truth of this. And some yeah. of that's for our benefit already now that we see this and we go, oh, yeah, well, this persecution is unjust because they're unbelievers and they're mm-hmm. persecuting me for actually telling the truth. So going back
0: to this conviction, the if you, so if you look that up in BDAG, uh, the mm. first definition is to scrutinize or examine carefully. That is bring to light, expose, set forth. Obviously, conviction goes along with that. But does... Would it be better to translate that as to bring to light or to expose?
1: I mean, I, I think it. Uh, I think all of it's involved, but I, I th- part of it. It's a it's a legal reality that he's judging.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so so he's convinced Also, it, but it's, the it's a, do you also think there's a a sense of discipline or reprove and correct that goes along with? Uh,
1: that? Well, in a sense, but I mean more in the terms of a judge who makes this conviction. He, he's okay. actually declaring, here's the actual truth, and here's the sentence. So it's that's there is a legal read down further there, and be in, uh, and uh, there is that aspect of it too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, in a sense, it's convince, right? That I, I sort of write the world can no longer deny that its unbelief is sin. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also a public declaration of the reality that is convincing in a sense, but also. A judgment.
0: Okay, so why does he just say the world and not is Jesus including the his Christians as part of the world in this uh, statement?
1: Yeah, he is, but oh, so, even so though in seventeen nice.
0: he's you know he he's not.
1: <laughs> well, right. I think this so is. I think, I think this is actually a fruitful
0: ones. conversation because so often we take it as we're included. And I just wonder if that's what Jesus had in mind.
1: I think he's got, I think there's multiple things going on in this reality. So let me read you. I found this this morning. Funny, I don't know when I bought this book Leon Morris's um, 1971 commentary, which I bought at a book sale 25 years ago. And I don't think I've ever opened it until this morning. (laughs) Uh, So he, uh, it's pretty good. I don't know. I should have opened it. Um, He says here regarding this whole convicting the world. This is great. First of all, um, he brings up this idea of advocate for the for Paraclete, and then makes this great st- assertion, apart from the Holy Spirit, men do not really know the truth about sin or righteousness or judgment, which is spot on, right? We just, we really, we require the Holy Spirit to, for, for these things. And then he mm. says, on page, well, you don't care. The Greek underlying these verses, that the convicting of the world, can be taken in any one of three principal ways. One, it may mean he will convict the world of their wrong ideas about sin in that they do not believe, right? So they don't believe they're sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could mean that he will convict the world of its sin because they do not believe, that is, that their unbelief is an illustration of their sin or a proof okay. of their sin. And then finally, or he will convict the world of its sin, which consists in the fact that they do not believe. That is, their unbelief is their sin. Mm. Uh, and then he says, none of these is impossible. And they, and in the Johannine manner, more than one may be an intended. And I think, okay, I think that's probably right. Uh, so, and then a little bit later, he will say, of course, the Spirit also convicts the individual sinner's conscience, right that we would otherwise we would never if the holy spirit doesn't convict us of sin we would never recognize our sin so yeah. so there is a sense in which the old adam is included as part of the world and we recognize that by the mercy of god that reveals it but okay yeah. go ahead what do you want to say well
0: yeah so so if we're looking elsewhere in john doesn't doesn't he in like john 8 or 9 say if you if you believe in me you will do my word or you will mm, listen to my yeah. word. So so in, in that same regard, I, this is very kind of nagly, right? <laughs> every, every sin goes back to the first commandment.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, and, and I think, you know, I don't think Thomas is wrong either in recognizing that as pride, that all idolatry is pride. Mm. So I think that's also helpful to recognize that. I So I think... I think maybe Thomas is actually more helpful in terms of diagnosis and also uh, not just diagnosis uh, for the sake of repenting um, and recognizing that we need to we need to stop and we need to ask for forgiveness, but I think Thomas is particularly helpful also in recognizing the sorts of nuances of sin and then how temptation is to be resisted so so I mean I think we tend to jump a little too quick to and but this is a great text for it in fairness but we t- we tend to jump a little too quick to every sin is unbelief. So if mm-hmm. I ask the school children right you know which commandment have you broken uh they know to say the first commandment. <laughs> and then they don't and th- there is a kind of there is a kind of sense in which by jumping right to the first commandment which is accurate But it is a kind of abstraction, in a sense, from the harm that has been done, right? And it does that, oh, well, then I'll just believe in God more, you know, and keep on committing adultery or whatever it is. Because the real problem, you know, the real problem isn't what I'm doing to my neighbor. You know, the real problem, what God really cares about is the spiritual stuff. And that's that's actually, you know, a good way to excuse our sins. End up in hell. And end up in hell. So I think, you know, we are—the um, way I've been talking about lately, right, there is an answer to sin, which is the gospel, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But the the answer to temptation is nuanced from that. It's not just—the answer to temptation isn't simply it's forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is, of course, we've, we live in the gospel and we're empowered by the gospel and we're encouraged by the gospel— and then we actually resist temptation, and we learn to resist temptation in part from the law, because the law actually shows us what the problem is and what's wicked and what's good, and then, you know, the antidotes, mm-hmm. so to speak, which which is more than just Jesus loves you, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever, you know, if it, if we're talking about, you know... Last week we were talking about envy. I mean, you know, then we, we need to learn to actually... So the Eighth Commandment, then we need to actually learn to praise people and to sort of dispel the sadness, right? Mm-hmm. And why was there some reason I was going to talk about despair? Oh, right. Uh, we jumped We jumped to the conviction thing, but we skipped over the despair in, uh, in uh, verse six. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts and... Uh, there there is this reality that wh- they're not asking him where he's going or to whom he's going or even you know for what purpose what advantage to themselves he is going they just are kind of choosing in a in a self-absorption to go to sorrow oh this isn't what i want and they're mm. you know they're they're choosing sorrow about a yeah. future that doesn't even exist yet that they're only imagining and it's a sin they, they should be yeah. trusting in him and believing he's good and so forth. So, you know, how is that sort of overcome? And I think that there's some real benefit in sort of examining that and thinking about that. Okay. In detail. So
0: Yeah. So how...
1: I don't know how I got how there. Does... Oh, because you said it's unbelief. So, so all sins, unbelief, sure. But I think, we, I, I think it's maybe in some ways helpful to, to recognize that all unbelief is a kind of pride because it's self-centered and self-absorbed and, and to think about sin as pride instead of just unbelief. How is sorrow a, an act of pride?
0: Okay. You, you mean like wallowing in sorrow, or you just mean sorrow yeah. in general?
1: No, I'm sorry. Wa- wallowing in sorrow. It, it, this is inappropriate sorrow, right? Yeah. Their, their sorrow yeah. here is
0: not... Yeah, yeah. Giving, yeah. You, giving your heart over to sorrow. Yeah, yeah. Letting, letting it consume you.
1: Right. That's what they're doing. That's a, what they do is a sin here. And so, you know, it sh- this temptation comes upon us, how do we resist it? I think if we just say un- it's unbelief, it's it's not as helpful in as a diagnosis for resistance as thinking of it as pride. So that was the whole point of that long speech. So does
0: Jesus answer that in what he says the spirit will do?
1: Yes. In, in, so the answer that,
0: is- he in that like verses 10 and 11 that Uh, He has gone to the Father, or is going to the Father, and the ruler is judged. Is that the, I mean, is that how he answers it, or no?
1: Well, I think that's part of it, but I think already in verse 7, that, you know, that uh, first of all, I tell you the truth, and it's to to their advantage. And they should simply believe that he knows best, right? They should trust in him and expect good from him, and learn to rejoice in trials, because Right. So, I mean, of course it is trust. It is faith, which is the opposite of unbelief. I get that. But it's also a kind of humility as opposed to sort of saying, oh, this isn't going my way. You know, the whole universe is conspiring against me. I have such bad luck, you know, and all those kinds of things that just travel through our brains, our our old man, you know, that feeds that instead saying, you know, I, 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 I expect good from Jesus uh, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting on that. I mean, that's, to me, that's St. Mary, that St. Mary yeah. is the queen of this. Um, at the wedding at Cana, right. Where, you know, she gets rebuked and tells the, just, tells them just do what he tells you. She, she just believes he's going to do good. And yeah. also of course at the Magnificat, right. When, when he, she gets told some pretty bad news, you're pregnant with another man's baby, right. Uh, <laughs> And, you know this is not this is not exactly happy news you know in the ways of the world and but she receives it as happy news because it comes from God and so let it be unto me I mean this is a marvelous statement of faith that that believes in God's goodness and expects it and does not wallow in anxiety about what's going to happen to her what are what are her relatives going to think you know all that stuff right mm-hmm. yeah. So it's to, it's to your advantage or, or you know it's it's expedient that this would happen. Um, that's a promise and that Jesus mm-hmm. is telling the truth and we should we should believe in him. Yeah, he's going away but he's coming back, you know. I mean, so all that stuff. going
0: back to the going back to the sorrow. Um, so so what is the what is the clue when we are when we, we have our own kind of introspective inner dialogue? or when you are with someone, that, that the sorrow is inappropriate for what is before them, or that they are letting sorrow fill their hearts, or that they are wallowing right. in sorrow. What does that inner dialogue sound like, um, and, and how did the, do the scriptures answer that?
1: I, I think the inner dialogue is all about justice. I mean, though we, we may not use that language, but you know this isn't fair, right? Why, mm-hmm. why is God doing this to me? Um, doesn't God want me to be happy? You know, all those kinds of all of those kinds of things are accusations that I am suffering unjustly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think the answer to that is right. To, in this text, is right. They should be asking Jesus, "Where are you going?" And and rather than in some sense asking why. So the and the problem it's not the why question in itself is it wrong the problem is it's why to me are you doing this terrible thing which is really an accusation now here's a negative on mary when she says to when she says to jesus in the temple why did you do this to your father and me right yeah that you've caused us such pain <clears throat> that's an accusation and so when we're when we're when we're thinking about this and conceiving about this what we need to do is we need to focus on the word and the words of promise and um, so you know, where God would, promises to be in work.
0: So would, so would asking why for the end, the teolo- teleological, the purpose, would that be a better why question? Instead of, instead of the accusation, um, it could be, r- why are you doing this to me? What needs to be changed in me? That kind of it could be. Is that, is, those is are that dangerous? that the way you think yeah. that's dangerous to to begin I mean, to I, think? Yeah, the, yeah, how God is working and using this as a discipline for strengthening this or weakening that.
1: Well, that right. But the problem is, I think. I mean, it, that's fine. But it's we we get into. I think it's a little bit. It's a little bit more difficult to sort of stay the course. When we start asking the, the uh, unless the question is, unless, you know, we have to know, we have to know the answer is, this is to my advantage. Um, so I think it's sort of helpful, particularly if we're caught in a, I mean, it depends how healthy the person is, let's say that, or how yeah. healthy we are in the moment, how, how deep the pain is and how much we're struggling to overcome it. And, you know, um, so, I mean, if the if the person is, or we are in the throes of this and we're really, you know... In something like clinical depression, then I, I don't know that why is going to be helpful because I think it might just spiral. So instead, asking the more sort of objective things: where is Jesus? <laughs> right. So I love this question because it's it's the question of the text. That's what he tells them. None of you ask me where are you going, and I think this because if you ask this question, right? Where is Jesus? Oh, he's in his Word and his sacraments. Well, that's a very Lutheran answer. Yeah, it's the right answer, and it's the answer that. That dispels depression, because I know where to find him. And I know where he is for me. And I know what the benefits of this is are. And this isn't, this isn't some sort of thing that I have to wrestle with and try to figure out. So if I say, why is God doing this to me? Then, you know, I can say, oh, it's to my advantage. And I can see how, you know, whatever. I need more patience. And so he's doing these things to teach me patience. And patience will be good for me in the long run, blah, blah, blah. But okay, but that's Pretty speculative. I mean, I mean, we don't. It's probably true. I'm not. I'm not disputing that salute, That reality. But you know, it does require. And we might misdiagnose it. I think. I think he's trying to teach me patience. But maybe he's really trying to teach. Really, what I need is humility. Or really, and you know, so I run to patience because I don't want to. I don't want to face humility or something else. Whereas if I ask where, that's an objective, solid reality. Okay. So on
0: that question, like so back in chapter 14, Peter and Thomas ask him where he's
1: going. Yeah, and it, yeah, but they do it in a selfish way, right? They're they're not they're not good questions <laughs> because they're despair questions. Uh, Peter just doesn't want him to go alone, you know? Um and, and you know, Peter just wants to be the accomplish compli- or the uh accompanist or whatever. Go along with him I don't know why that was so yeah. hard to say. And then Thomas, uh, where's where's that in Thomas? Because his is the um, his we is don't not know good
0: either. Yeah, this is yeah. fourteen
1: verse five. Yeah, there we go. Right, we, we do not know where you are going and how we can know the way. And that's a that's that's a that's a accusation because he's our, they've been told this and he's just pretending they don't know because they don't like it. Okay. This when he says that it's just like. It's just like the voters assembling, asking if we can have women pastors again, or women voters again, right? Over and over and over again, just keep asking the same question. Like we, oh, you know, we should study this issue because we haven't already. This hasn't already been settled. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because the reason we keep studying the same issues is it's just like a child asking for cookie. I mean, Mm -hmm. mom, you know, he only needs the mom to say yes one time. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So I mean, she's unwilling to say no. Right, I know, I know. Well that's another issue. But right. So I, I I mean, they do ask that, but of course you can ask it in the wrong way. Uh, so I guess any question can be manipulated and misused, but Alright, so if we're not so if we're not to let our hearts be
0: filled with sorrow and we're not to ask why, you're saying we have to ask where. Is that what you're advocating? I, I don't so not just we can what ask we why, do, but what
1: I mean it's just the why is just I think a little bit dangerous and is going to be less objective. I, I don't think it's inappropriate but I I'd be careful with it. The where okay. and and we are in a different we are on the the other side of things than Peter and Thomas as well. So I mean mm-hmm. it really is clear for us. If we say where is Jesus, right? We know where he is and yeah. we know how to obtain his blessings and and we're going to go there and we're going to receive those blessings even if they're not always emotionally satisfying or even mm-hmm. intellectually, you know, uh, satisfying that we're going to say, this yeah. is where Jesus is. This is where I'm going to be. And this is the way that I'm going to fight temptation. And I'm going to, you know, like, I mean, there's other, this isn't the only question to ask, but I mean, the other sort of thing of course is that, right. We are to expect good things from God. We are to rejoice always. And so this is part of the antidote to, 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 to giving in, caving in in a selfish way, to, to, to an inordinate amount of sorrow, right? It, this isn't a condemnation of sorrow. Sometimes sorrow is completely appropriate. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus weeps at the death of Lazarus. So we're not, it's not a condemnation of sorrow, but it's, it's inordinate sorrow. The disciples are wrong to hide in themselves and their own self-pity instead of asking, where is Jesus going? And and kind of refusing to believe in the goodness and be and rejoice at his going, even though he tells them that it's good.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so when the going gets tough, how, what do we do? What is our response to it? Just well, I think trusting? so. We got
1: to diagnose it. Yeah, I mean, all the answers are all the same in a way. I mean, it's but it's. I think one of the. the I, I think we know the right answers, right? Like mostly I think we know, oh, I need to go to the sacrament. I need to read the Bible. I need to have daily devotions. I need to go to confession and absolution. These are the ways that faith is strengthened and sin is overcome and temptation is resisted. I think probably where we are weak is in the diagnosis of the sin and in recognizing sin kind of as early as possible. I know that that sounds sort of obvious, but... For example, I think a lot of things come up in us that are sorrowful, and we don't recognize it in the moment as a sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we because, and then only later, you know, we kind of go, oh, you know, this really started a while ago, you know. So, you know, I'm whatever, you know. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I go to get, I go down to get a, a cup of coffee, and you know, my coworker has drank the last cup of coffee, and he didn't make another pot. And, you know, there's, there's a kind of bitterness and anger that spontaneously comes up in me and because, you know, I'm insulted and annoyed that now I have to do this menial task. Or because, and, but I don't just think of it as terms of this kind of pride that I feel insulted that I have to do a menial task. I assign a bad motive to him. He's lazy. Yeah. He thinks he's better than me. And, and then it happens day after day after day and you know, I, I allow this kind of bitterness and this anger to grow over it, and it becomes an obsession. And you know, right? And I, I'm tearing this down, but you know, in the first time it happens, it never even occurs to me that I'm that I'm breaking the eighth commandment, right?
0: Mm.
1: I'm I'm actually feeling totally just in this, and you know, I am I am indignant at an injustice. And I, you know what I mean. So there's this, like, so what? So what is the? Uh,
0: this isn't going to come out right. But what is the contrary action, the fix to that initial feeling slighted? Is it really just putting the best construction, or is it putting the best construction and then saying, "Hey, if you make the last pot, can you just ask if anyone's going to want more and make make it?" It seems well, like sure. The, I mean, it's I don't, a response right. like to say because you know he could you know, your coworker could be uh, a complete noob and not thinking of anyone else but himself.
1: Absolutely. I So, right, love covers a multitude of sins. So, you know, his not making a a, a pot of coffee is a lack of concern for other people. I mean, there's Mm – I mean – It's not the most egregious sin in the history of the world, but I mean, it is, you know, if, if you've been hurt by it, there is a sense in which he was unaware. It it, it could be just, it's a sin of omission. It's ignorance. He just didn't think of it, but that's still, it's real. I'm not saying that, you know, he's just innocent in this in all regards, but love does cover a multitude of sins and Mm -hmm. it doesn't love, doesn't create license for sin. Um, so, uh, it has to be, I think there's a, a number of things that sort of would happen. And, and I mean, lots of times, God be praised, this does just kind of happen spontaneously. But I think it's very useful to think about it, diagnose it, and to you know, recognize that there's wisdom to be gained from Holy Scripture for this stuff. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would say like, right, the first thing would be, ideally, you'd go, this this comes up in me, this indignation, this anger, this insult. And I would reckon, wow, that's this is... Inappropriate and idiotic, and so why am I responding this way? It's, it's this is a minor inconvenience. I, I'm not. It's not too menial, right? So first of all, there ought to be kind of ideally you ought to recognize this is not what Jesus would do, right? And I mean, I know we all mocked that, but right? If Jesus walked into the kitchen and the coffee pot was empty, he wouldn't instantly become angry in his heart. Uh, so, I'm acting in a way that's not Christian. I'm acting in a way that's selfish. I need to be humbled, right? I need to engage in humility. I need to repent. And I need to keep the eighth commandment. And in fact, I actually tell people what you should really, the ideal thing to do at this moment. I mean, if nobody's around, you're in there alone, you ought to actually say out loud. I call this the Jason Broughton trick, by the way, because you're (laughs) a big fan of this, right? You ought to say out loud, you know, my coworker is a good person and uh, he just made a mistake. And then you ought to try to find actively, the next time you have an interaction with this person, find a way to give him a legitimate piece of praise or a compliment. You have to say out loud what is good. And what is right, and not give voice to the evil. And this, I really use this in marriage stuff a lot, but, but I think it works and it's important for other relationships as well. Then, also, exactly what you said, I, I think there is the right time to say, you know, to, to offer some advice to him in a way that's not accusing, but, uh, but is gentle and, you know, puts the best construction on it and does unto others as you would have done unto you. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, we all drink coffee here all day. If you drink the last cup, you know, I mean, I think it's possible. And then the final word on this, though, and again, you know, a lot of this is marriage stuff, but um, there are things that I think we have to learn to suffer and endure as weaknesses in other people that that we just have to be rational Christians that say, I can bear this burden, Um, you know, my husband just does not put the toilet seat down. And it's annoying and it's gross. It's idiotic. It's a small gesture. He just doesn't do it. You know, it's been 35 years. He's probably not going to. (laughs) I could either (laughs) assign this to, you know, he's a bad character and, you know, he doesn't care about other people, or I can assign this to a weakness that he has that does not flow from his character and mm-hmm. and that's what we really eat. so the old kind of separate the sin from the sinner you know hate the sin but love the sinner that kind of stuff comes into play as well and again you know the smallest things can just grow and we just don't realize it when they're happening because we don't think in this way and and we don't i don't i mean i don't think we i don't think we think about sin enough or try to resist sin enough or recognize mm-hmm. It so the antinomian kind of thing is and it is right, it doesn't actually recognize the law and the goodness of the law, and it it exaggerates out it's out of balance the gospel, so that the gospel's the only thing that matters, and and therefore, you know, it doesn't even want to think about these things.
0: Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you you're like making a plea to learn how to examine oneself.
1: <laughs> it does sound like that. <laughs> Maybe so, according to your station so, in life, according to the commandments.
0: Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, not to hold grudges over these small little yeah. things.
1: Love covers a multitude of sins has become a huge passage for me. Because mm. uh, I think it has everything to do with our common life. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, you just think about all these things then, you know, I mean, it's Jesus, they will know you, they will know that you're my disciples by your love, love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, all of the, you know, First John, John, I mean, all of these things about what is it to live in a community uh, that if a community that is defined by the gospel isn't just a community that has been forgiven, it's also a community that forgives. Yeah. And, and but do how you really do we think sort of that- perceive
0: do you really think that most people um, are so upset at the toilet seat, so upset at the not making coffee, isn't that kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back? In other words, that other things haven't been dealt with, bigger things, and, and so you deal with those bigger things passive-aggressively through the small things.
1: I, yeah, I don't—it's that—maybe. Uh, I'm sure that's true sometimes, but I think also— small things grow into big things. Mm. And I think small things matter. I also think you can deal with small things to change the big things. Okay. Um, so I, I, I think there, I think the small things are more important than, than they seem, I guess, mm. Bo- both in terms of creating, you know, kind of affection and endurance for marriage and, you know, exhibiting and receiving love. And also, um, in terms of you know what spirals out of control and destroys things yeah so so yeah so i mean I, yeah i'm mean, talking like i'm an expert on this which is obviously i should have this caveat that i'm not mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know we're all struggling through this
0: sure all right so so
1: Oh, one other the, thing. So then, uh, the, yeah. so the big things is I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I would. Of, whenever I talk about this, this always comes up, right? I mean, the, again, this isn't license. Lo- love covers a multitude of sins. First of all, is not salvific, right? Our love for our neighbor, my, my forgiveness of you not making a pot of coffee, that doesn't get you into heaven, obviously, or me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about the communal life, so it's not salvific. This is this is part of sanctification. Um, mm-hmm. And how we live together uh, as Christians. But that then the other thing is, uh, you know, when I say it's not licensed to sin, I mean, there are, I, I was just asked this about what about with children, right? How, how much do I know when, you know, I told my children to pick up the living room and they didn't do a very good job? You know, is do I assign this to a character flaw that they're lazy and disobedient? Or, you know, do I call it just kind of a weakness that they just, you know, are forgetful? And I think that, uh, you know, kind of both things can happen and need to happen in some sense. And a lot of it is determined by, and I know this is like an un Lutheran way of speaking, but it, it matters how grievous the sin is. And how grievous the sin is, is determined by what harm it does to self and to neighbor, right? So if you, if you tell your child to pick up the living room and he doesn't, um, You know who was hurt. He's disobeyed the fourth commandment. But what other harm has been done? And uh, you know, you might you might look past this and forgive it with a gentle spirit, right? Because you recognize that the child is going through something. You you know context, right? Um, At the same time, you do recognize that it was a sin that he did break the fourth commandment, and that he's not. You know, and so there. You know there might need to be consequences for this that you have to deal with, but it's it's not done in a kind of legal. It's not done in a way to punish. It's done in a way to teach, right? So uh, that you know, love teaches. Love doesn't punish. I mean, that's maybe a subtle distinction, but I think it's important. Discipline is to teach. We're not trying to get our our children to clean the living room because they're freeloaders. Um, You know, this is part of the whole community life, and they need to be part of it. Also, often, I, mean, there are I mean, I just
0: would want, I just would want to add, but often our Lord himself, our father in heaven, he disciplines through that, which is painful.
1: Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. But so its purpose is, is teach. I, it has
0: a purpose, is to teach, yes. But often when I hear people talk about these things, like, you know, your purpose is not to punish, but to, but to teach. And so somehow that means now the, we just talk at each other. And there are not. There really <laughs> isn't no. actually a consequence. There's not any no, there, yeah. painful resistance that's involved.
1: I, I would say I, I talk about it as it's it's to, it's not about it's not about enacting justice or vengeance, right. but teaching. So so yes. you break up. You're throwing a ball in the house. You break a lamp. Uh, you got to pay for that out of your own money. Um, that does sound like justice and vengeance and and but but it isn't if i'm doing this as a father look i don't care about the lamp i mean you know but i want you to learn that lamps have value and your actions have consequences right so it it can it can almost look the same but the motivation is significant i'm mm-hmm. not trying to get revenge on my children for breaking my stuff I mean, right. god willing i'm not that that would be the that would be the distinction <laughs> Yeah. I mean, of course yeah. in the okay. flesh, we, we are weak. We don't do it purposely. But but anyway, in terms of that, but then the other side of this is right, um, you know, it does matter about how grievous the sin is. It's one thing to, you know, pick up the living room and a half, you know, not to do the full job. Um, you know, it's an it's another thing to, you know, be left in charge of your younger siblings and to leave them alone, right? And to endanger mm-hmm. them or, you know, other ways that that these things go wrong. So there are times when you know love can't just cover this sin um as as just a weakness, you know recognizing well, you know he has exams this week or his girlfriend broke up with him, so he didn't do a very good job picking up the living room, and I'm going to be gentle there there's a that's right, there's a time for that, you know we're not but then you know there's other times when you know that's completely inappropriate, right yeah. You know, he stole. He stole money out of your wallet. You know, Uh, you know that 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 requires a different response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's true in marriage okay. too. You know, yeah. How do we get into all that sorrow? How to fight sorrow. sorrow? That's what that was about.
0: Okay, all right. So the the Lord then sends the Paraclete. So even though your hearts are filled with sorrow, um, it's to our advantage that. He does go away, because if he doesn't, the paraclete won't come. Right. And' it's the advantage is that when he comes, he will do these three things: convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Is that correct?: Yeah. OK. And How we can is that see all our of advantage
1: are, uh, because we should see all of these as this is a Christological reality, right? that the, mm-hmm. that the world is being exposed as the cause of Christ's death. Right And their refusal to believe it as the greatest injustice to, 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 to recognize their and, and, and of course, also at an individual level, our own own reality. and then and of, of the la of what unbelief is. And then of righteousness, because, right? He actually declares us to be righteous and judges us as righteous for Christ's sake, right? That the Father goes that the son goes to the Father as the one who has made the ransom and atonement for us. And then ultimately also of judgment in that the persecutions and sorrows of this world are unjust uh, because we've been redeemed by Christ and that the devil does have an end, right? That, that he is being pronounced uh, a liar uh, and his mm-hmm. accusations are false and, and we will be relieved, Yeah. right? Okay. So we ought to be optimistic, uh, we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to be glad. And the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals us, reveals this to us as the truth in his word so that we actually know where we actually fit and who we are. So despite the
0: fact that everything looks like it's going to hell, that everything <laughs> right. year over year is getting worse, the Spirit as our paraclete comes and tells us that the ruler of this world is judged. Yeah, it's finished. It's done. Right, uh, and that that uh, he's gone to the Father, and righteousness has been
1: attained. Yeah, you you are forgiven, right? Not you will mm-hmm. be forgiven, right? You have yeah. life. Uh, you yeah, right. I mean, you are the baptized. This is okay. a this is a current reality. And wh- who are you going to believe? You know, you going to believe Jesus, or you going to believe? The old man, or your neighbor, or the devil. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's
0: easier to believe what you see with right. your own eyes and experience. So is, but is it's but it's our Lord. Okay, say more.
1: Go ahead. It's selfish to believe because it's pride. Because I believe right. That's Thomas. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, blessed okay. are those who have not seen. So I mean, it's it's pride that says I will be the judge. Okay, that's it's the most proud thing in the world. So,
0: okay, so the so, despite what we see and experience, we are called to trust and know what God has actually done in Christ Jesus and right, and and live by that reality, yeah, okay. And,
1: and then you get this even beautiful, those difficult happy things, yeah, and even those
0: difficult things are actually for the good of his people, not to fill not that we should be filled with sorrow but that we should see this to our advantage. Right. Okay.
1: Right. I mean, you could think also, of course, of the book of Job. Mm-hmm. That we're just going to... Look, I know that my Redeemer lives. <laughs> I don't know anything else. I am I am not given in to despair. I'm mm-hmm. not giving up hope. Um, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know what to say except this. I know that my Redeemer lives. So, mm-hmm. there.
0: So, do you bring in like... Um... I can't remember where it is in Ro- Romans, somewhere in Eight? Romans. No, I'm thinking of, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 10, and I want to say Romans 15, where he talks about these things happened as examples for them, but they're written down for our instruction. Um, is that where you bring these sorts of things into the discussion that that you have the entire Bible? of like object lessons of how God's seeming inaction was actually action for a particular purpose for a particular end and that God is active still in that reality now.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean you have that with I mean again I, as well
1: it's just it's just I mean I think really when you when you ask where is Jesus I mean this is just a great question, right?
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah.
1: Because it just, all of this, and then you just write, I mean, all of the, the history of Israel is, is this demonstration of God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. How do the, uh, the
0: psalmists, do they ever say, where is God? Hmm. Do, 121.
1: Or, I, uh, I mean, I think it makes more sense for us to say, where is God? Mm-hmm. He's, he's much more accessible in, you know, after the ascension. I mean mm-hmm. you have you have 121 right from whence comes my help
0: yeah from where you know?
1: yeah and i mean you know he's uh, depending on how you read this right he's uh, usually the way it's the way it reads in the modern translations is my help doesn't come from the hills so it sees the hills as the place of the asheroth and so forth mm-hmm. i kind of like it in the king james that um maybe my help does come from the hill and maybe it's a prophecy of uh of of Golgotha oh, or Mount yeah. Zion. But it's, I mean, you know, Hebrew doesn't have a question mark. So you don't know where, if it's a, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, you do also oh, have, a have mark in this or... text. of course. I don't think there is one there though.
0: Okay. I, I don't I have, have it looked up at it in it the Hebrew. so.
1: No, and I'd, it'd take me a long time to figure it out and I'd require some helps. So, mm-hmm. so
0: um, how, so what do you preach on for this? Or do you
1: do you, things uh, well, that you want to go through
0: with I twelve? I, a, I saw you a
1: bunch of <laughs> we've got 12, we've got I mean, you've, you've got at the very end of this, uh, the happy exchange, all things that are mine, right? The Holy Spirit declares to you. So we've mm-hmm. got really, you know, justification explicitly there with the happy exchange that we get what belongs by right to Jesus. So there's a lot to be said there. You could certainly speak on forensic justification um, as all, as, as a Trinitarian work, um, that the Holy Spirit is, is, you know, usually when we sort of jump into the full-blown legal metaphor, you know, God, the father is judge, Jesus is the advocate, Satan is the accuser. We, we, uh, at least when I tell it, you know, and I, I use that a lot, you know, in catechism and stuff, right. To make the spirit also active as the convictor here, the, I don't know, mm. I don't know where he, is he the bailiff? I don't know what he is, but he's there also declaring us to be righteous and judging Satan as guilty and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. so there's you could certainly go that way. The third article, uh, the catechism's explanation, you know, that I cannot by my own reason or strength, we require the Holy Spirit to reveal all of this to us. So there's a lot of doctrinal stuff in this you could do in terms of rebuke or correction, I think. You know this uh, this thing against sorrow. Uh, the particular this is particularly anxiety, right? They are sorrowful about something that hasn't happened, so they are sorrowful mm-hmm. about the future. Um, so you could, you know, our people do suffer from anxiety of various sorts. But I think you know one thing we often hear, you know, people that they don't want to die before their granddaughter graduates from high school or something, right? Like they're gonna like they're gonna miss that. And so, I mean, I think you know there could be some catechesis there. Look, you're not going to miss anything, and uh, it'll be better to die as gain. That kind of stuff. Also, anxiety that we have about our loved ones that they may not that they may have fallen away from the faith. Um, That's a common problem amongst us that we we do need to learn to to place into God's hands. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean we stop actively working, but you know, this isn't our burden to bear. We're not the savior of the world. We can't save our children. Um, we, we've we've done what we could. and We made some mistakes, and this is in God's hands, and we're trusting in Him. Uh, refusal mm-hmm. to see things from a divine perspective, right? A kind of uh, only wanting, you know, looking for physical and other pleasures here on earth as signs of God's favor, and instead of you know trusting in His promises. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you know we did talk a lot about that kind of uh, despair is a choice. Uh, there is Mm. a kind of selfishness that turns inward that sort of revels in sadness and self pity and the like that is a spiritual malaise. I mean, there can be other, there can be all sorts and it can be seasonal. I mean, I think that's, that's one of, by the way, I think that's one of the most important things to say regularly to, to children and, uh, Uh, you know, that, look, we all have seasons of sadness in our lives. They're temporary. So, you know, don't commit suicide, basically. But, uh, you know, believe that things will get better is a Christian teaching, and um, to not give into that. So there are kind of seasonal things that we endure, but they, they pass. And in marriage, definitely, right? There's seasons that marriage is not such a happy place, and they don't they, they don't last, so don't give up, right? Believe in God's mm-hmm. promises. So optimism is I mean, this is a Christian reality. We should be eagerly expectant of the future and expect good things from God on the basis of Christ, even if we're in the midst of persecution, even if we're in physical pain, even if all the world hates us, right? Mm. We we still believe he goes, It's a this is all to our advantage.
0: Okay. So is so is there a sense then that you want to talk about in a sermon uh, about not not immediately thinking all pain is bad? Yeah, I mean, is that or something- that pain is to be
1: avoided at all cost, right? Or that yeah, death yeah. is to be avoided at all cost? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. We we uh, pleasure is not always good, pain is not always bad. You know, we need to we need to recognize what is good based on Mm -hmm. God, on the Bible, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) We need to recognize what is good based on the
1: Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's obvious, but of course we we don't though, because we we think what is good is what makes me feel good, you know, what gives me pleasure in the moment. So yeah, yeah, I I think there's a lot to be, I'm probably going to go after that sorrow thing. It just just feels very relevant in uh, today's world. And and I think you know something that some it is a difficult it is a difficult reality people are struggling and I think that we do have wisdom that can be can be actually helpful and comforting um, mm. you know I'm not claiming this is the only answer to every problem um, or you know but I, I think it ought to be for Christians it is always an answer to the problem. There may be other things that, that mm-hmm. you know but you know if you lose your leg in a car accident, you know there's going to be some medical treatment necessary that will be, that will be helpful, but you know mm-hmm. there's going to be psychological trauma um, that you might find help with in psychology from, but to be sure, there ought to be a spiritual answer to this as well, a theological answer to recognize mm-hmm. you know how you go forward in confidence that God is good, right yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, anything that we didn't cover I think we might have covered more things than we should have
0: (laughs) (laughs) well very good I I always like to do that Um, (laughs) thanks for your time and we'll get back with you next week for for the 6th Sunday after Easter
1: alright thanks Jason